Hi, welcome to the podcast where we do it for the love of it. I'm Kevin. And I'm Charles, and this is the Sports Podcast, where we look for the best stories and events from across the global competitive landscape. And we're going to jump right into the fabulous game that we just watched. Kansas City, St. Louis, Monday Night Football, absolute madness. Yeah. Uh, you, I mean, the amount of lead changes in the game should say that you have an exciting football game there. Yeah, I think it was seven lead changes along with two other ties. Five of those lead changes in the fourth quarter. Most points yeah. ever scored in a Monday night game. Third most points scored ever. Uh, exciting. That's just as simple <laughs> as that. Probably one of the most exciting Monday night football games of all time. Yeah, um, like, I couldn't, like, both the quarterbacks, yeah, you'd think in a 50 to 50, like, it was 51-54 the final score. First time in NFL history both teams have scored 50 points. Um, you would think that the defenses must have been embarrassingly bad, but they weren't actually. I think there were six turnovers. Yeah, um, between think, the group, two defensive touchdowns. Yeah, like it was a it was a well fought game between maybe what we will watch in the Super Bowl. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, unless you really have a strong rooting interest for a particular team, I think after watching this, you are praying that this comes back in the Super Bowl. This was spectacular. A hundred percent. I mean, it's it's everything you want in a football game. And from two young, exciting quarterbacks, like, it's unbelievable. Yeah, Mahomes with six touchdown passes, Jared Goff with four of his own. I think we're probably looking at the number one and number two quarterbacks in, for the next two years from now till ten years from now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, you could not... I've wrote a better story. Uh, yeah, we haven't like even got to how this game started. This game was supposed to be played in Mexico City. Yes, yeah, but very true. The field was so torn up that they said, "All right, we got to play back. We got to play it in the LA Coliseum." So they gave out rather than because nobody nobody had bought tickets for the game because the game wasn't supposed to exist. So they just gave seventy seven thousand tickets to the first responders dealing with the California wildfires. Yes. And that's, that's uh, the background for the game to start with. Yeah, like, and the I mean, Mexico City Field was torn up because apparently they had a concert there, and it, it just destroyed the field. Yeah, a series for some of weird soccer reason. games followed by a concert, and it just wasn't. Uh, I believe it's also been really rainy there, so the yeah, field or something. Just it was really chewed up. A hundred percent, and it was crazy to see. Like, how quickly they managed to turn everything over and be like, Kate, we're ready for Monday Night Football. We've given away all these tickets to these people who are suffering and help trying to help with, uh, you know, these fires. And now you got this unbelievable show you put on for them. Like, the best <laughs> show on turf. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was absolutely spectacular. Casey's defense was pressuring golf all day, but, like, it was just the offense, McVay's offense is so well organized. And then the way it finished, basically the key interception, uh, Patrick Mahomes gets hit and Marcus Peters, of all people, the former chief, comes down with a pick to nearly seal the game. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't, like, and it's a weird thing because the one thing I never understood is why Marcus Peters isn't there. Like, why is he not playing for KC right now? But well, there you know, was it, like the rumored behavioral and you know, locker room distraction issues that we all 
that every no, of course. NFL team always hears about. Yeah, and they like to push that story out so they can justify the movement of players and da 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 da. But still, I don't know. It it seems weird to me, <laughs> and I guess they. Uh, that's what you get. <laughs> and to be fair to Kansas City, it's not like Marcus Peters has had a great, great year so far. He was embarrassed by Michael Thomas when they played the Saints. Yeah. But, but uh, I mean, he played pretty well. He was on Kelsey for a lot of the game and obviously came out with the key interception. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the one thing is, is like, I feel like when you deal with players like Thomas, you are also going against quarterbacks like Drew Brees. And if you get lit up by them, it doesn't say anything about you. The reason why they put you on Kelsey is because you're still that corner. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it wasn't like, oh, well, he got beat all that much. Now he only deals with the number three receiver. Like it's <laughs> he's still unbelievable. And I, you know, it, I, it's cool to kind of see him get that revenge. And it'd be cool to see them meet each other again in the Super Bowl. But, of course, the New Orleans Saints will be there, and they will win it, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) We might as well move right on to that, because I'm starting to doubt my Super Bowl pick a little more in favor of your Super Bowl pick, because they had another great week absolutely trashing the defending champion Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Super Bowl hangover might be an understatement. Um, Yeah. (laughs) They didn't even party like the Capitals did. What's wrong with them? Exactly. Exactly. So, Philadelphia losing 7-48, to 48, I think it was. Um, Jeez. Uh, Drew Brees is playing out of his skull. Like, he's, he's an ageless wonder now. He's the like, MVP <laughs> at this point in the season, right? Is oh. there any other competition? Maybe, I mean, Gurley's racking up touchdowns like crazy, but... Yeah, I would have to say it's between probably Gurley, him, and... Maybe Mahomes. Yeah, Mahomes and be. Goff, I think, are both. They're both in the conversation because we want to add more than one name into the conversation. But they of haven't course. played at Breeze's level. Yeah, exactly. I I just feel like Breeze is is just doing the unspeakable right now. Like he should be. <laughs> we should be watching him have like a solid year to like end a career because like this is his last year of his contract. He only took one year on the contract, you kind of expect this to be his last season ever, and you're getting the best rubies you've ever seen, almost. Yeah, like, this might crazy. very well be kind of like Peyton Manning throwing for 56 touchdown passes or whatever it was, and then falling off the cliff the next year. Yeah, um, exactly that. So, But enjoy this when it's right in front of your eyes. I don't think you have to worry too much about what's coming next. Plus they have Teddy Bridgewater. So if you're a saints fan, you don't even have to worry that much about the future. You have to think especially that Drew Brees is working with him too. Like what happens when Teddy Bridgewater steps in now with a year under his belt with this quarterback at this caliber, you know what I mean? Like you have to (laughs) think that Bridgewater is going to be a better player from this. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. Uh, I did want to talk a little bit about uh, Philadelphia. Like we focused on New Orleans. Let's talk a little bit about Philadelphia and the NFC East in general. Okay. Washington lost this week and lost their starting quarterback. Yeah. Alex Smith is gone. The Cowboys managed to win. Do you see the Cowboys who were firing Jason Garrett just a couple weeks ago as the favorite for this division now? Well, you would have to think they are because 
I just feel like there's no way the Redskins can keep it up minus Alex Smith. And I, I, I feel like the Cowboys are such, like, blah. But, I mean, <laughs> if you're consistent... Yeah, they have no faith in the Cowboys whatsoever. But just trying to look at it logically, they might be the favorites for the division at this point. 100%. Um, I just feel like Philadelphia is definitely taking taken too much on the chin to be a team that's going to do it. So I'm gonna. You have to kind of go with the Cowboys. Yeah, at this point, it's been long enough with the Eagles that it's not just, it's not just Super Bowl hangover and they'll get over it. But you think there might be some sort of composition issue with this team in particular that is yeah. just not meshing what together as well as it should because it it does not look pretty at this moment. No, um, and I, you know, you have to hope that they can get it back on track at least finish the season semi-strong to be like, hey, well, it was, you know, an injury and everything like that and all coming together and it was just a weird thing and some pieces are aging and just be like, well, we made it out of there strong. But if not, ooh, there's going to be some real questions, you know. And the motivation is there. Um, With, like, a lot of teams that have played as badly as the Eagles, you would expect would just have no chance to win the division, no chance to get to the playoffs. The Eagles actually can because they're in the absolutely terrible division that they're in. <laughs> exactly. So, like, I mean, they have the ability to make it in, but, I mean, at least if they can show strong and be like, okay, we made the push, we lost by a game, it sucked because we didn't have our starting quarterback at the start of the year, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they have excuses, and maybe they're just writing excuses. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's move over to Chicago, Minnesota. If this was not the prettiest game, this was definitely a defensive struggle. Yeah. Um, um, but I think we got to respect Chicago. Yeah, I feel like we kind of have to have a conversation about Chicago being a team to, I'm not going to say look out for, but a team that's definitely going to maybe make their way to the playoffs in some facet, whether it be, you know, as a lookout, they could knock off a team type of thing will be yet to be determined, but... I feel like they're going to be there. Well, the, yeah, I think... Uh, so, they're, they'll probably win the division at this point. We're a few games out, but I think they'd have to be considered the favorite for the division. At the very least, they'll get the wild card position. And, like, the NFC East, there's nobody that worries you there. The NFC West, um, you got the Rams... Obviously, huge, huge issue there. But after that, like, there's no wild card team coming out of the NFC West that you would worry about. So it's just their own division, and maybe, uh, maybe the Panthers, and then you just got to worry worry about the two Titans, which I think both the Saints and the Rams are definitely at a different level than the Bears. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I feel like they're they're a team that's going to be there. Whether they win a game will be on. You know, the stars aligning, but I don't know. They are just so, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 I think it boils down to Mitch Trubisky. Yes. For the largest part, we just don't know whether we can trust him. And the fact is, we're not going to know whether we can trust him until he actually does it. It's one of those catch-22s. Yeah, exactly that. You know, like whether he can do it in that situation 
but we can't say till he plays that situation. <laughs> like he's <got laughs> not really instilled confidence to that. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of the NFC North, do you give any faith to the Green Bay Packers? No, I, I do not. I I, I don't. I just cannot see them doing enough to get the job done. Mike I, I McCarthy's can't. clearly a mess at this point. Yeah, I I feel like Mike McCarthy kind of needs to make his way on, you know. <laughs> I think he will be granted that request. <laughs> right. I don't think he's going to be sticking around. Um, let's stay in the NFC North just for one little bit. I just want to talk about the nonsense that is Matt Patricia. As long as we're talking about coaches that should be fired, can we fire Matt Patricia after one year? It's (laughs) crazy to me that you can be with Bill Belichick and be, like, completely functioning, unbelievable coach, and then you leave and you're absolute garbage. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like what is, like... Like, even happened to Daniel as well, uh, McDaniel. It's just, like, they're you're bad coaches, but you're great assistants. Or is it just, hey, we well, were Bill with Belichick the greatest coach. Bill Belichick is covering it up for him. <laughs> yeah, like, he's the greatest coach ever, so he puts not only his players in the best situation, but his coaches in the best situations to succeed. Like, yeah, is, that he, is he that level of coach? It. It's quite positive. Like, with Matt Patricia, you can be a player's coach or you can be that strict disciplinarian type coach. The one thing you never see succeed is a complete phony of a coach. And that's what we've got with Matt Patricia. He, like, he's got the pencil in his ear writing on his laminated, <laughs> his laminated play card. He makes his players practice out in the snow. He's got, uh, he's complaining that his, the journalists in his press conference are slouching, even though he looks like a complete slob himself, but journalists have to stand up straight when they're addressing, like, he just, he's such a complete phony, he's bugging the crap out of me this year. Yeah, it's very, very weird, and I, do, I just did not expect this. I expected him to be, like, the same kind of, like, quiet, tour de force type of coach, you know, like, just letting things happen and nodding his head, maybe, like, having an intense passion in, like, his, like, stare, but, like, not (laughs) really vocal. But this is just so weird. And I don't know if you can keep him around for much longer unless he starts producing next year. Yeah, like, I don't actually expect him to be fired. You don't see coaches fired after one year very often. But uh, just for my sanity, can we get rid of him? Because he has been so annoying. I'm <laughs> yeah. I just want him out. I would have to agree with you. It's it's a very weird situation. I hope that he can get it on track and like just kind of like winning solves everything. So let's get some wins under the belt. But yes. Detroit's That's in a lot bit worse situation than Matt Patricia. So yeah, it is the Lions. So you don't really expect a lot of cures to come through. Exactly. Let's move on to the collegiate ranks. Uh, We mentioned it last week. This is kind of the lull of the college football season before the madness of the next two weeks. Yeah. But uh, there was at least one fantastic game to watch. Ohio State-Maryland, 52-51 into overtime. This was a back-and-forth game. 
Man, that Maryland running back, uh, number th- was it number three or number five? I can't remember which. He's got some. <laughs> yeah. That guy's got wheels. Yeah, like it, they, he showed through to be a very exciting player. And it's crazy. I did not expect this at all. <laughs> no, clearly Ohio State is not. Like, if they beat Michigan next week, I don't think anyone's suggesting that Ohio that would vault Ohio State into the playoffs scenario. Yeah. After that game, I feel like no. It definitely would be a weird scenario. It would have helped that Maryland won the game, and they came so close. Overtime, they decided to go for two rather than to kick the convert, kick the convert to just extend overtime. And the guy was open. The play was a very well-called play. The receiver was open, but the quarterback just buckled a little bit and ended up misthrowing him by about three yards. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough thing. Um, but, I mean, hey, like, they showed through that they're a team to kind of, that you just can't count out, which is kind of exciting for their program. But we'll yeah, see. like nobody's cheering for either of these programs this year. Like this, that's the only problem with this game is this was not a feel-good game. You wanted both teams to lose. With the Urban Meyer situation, of course, Jordan McNair's death. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a great football game to watch and just kind of forget your troubles for a few hours. Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. So I wanted to talk about kind of a little odd story. Um, Houston's Ed Oliver. If you're not familiar, Ed Oliver is the first five-star recruit in the to ever go to a non-Power 5 conference team. And because of that, he might be... He's going to be a high draft pick this year, for sure. He's injured, but because of that, he's not going to risk his body. Yeah. Um, playing for a team when he's got millions of dollars on the line. So he... So his coach, I don't know, maybe there's some bad blood there that he's not pushing himself as hard as he can for the coach, but there was a very weird situation. Apparently Major Applewhite, Houston's head coach, doesn't want players who aren't playing in the game to wear those special, super bulky coats. Yeah. And it turned into a weird confrontation on the sideline around halftime where he basically physically tried to, couple couple trainers, I think it was, physically tried to rip the coat off Ed Oliver. Very strange. Yeah, I mean... My guess is I'm sure the coach isn't very happy. I mean, it's definitely his livelihood, you know, you're playing with. Uh, just yeah. just kind of to keep yourself safe. But, I mean, hey, a player should definitely look out for number one, and that happens yeah, to be himself. Even as a coach, you got to under. even if you don't like it, you got to absolutely understand why he's yeah. doing it. So, I mean, maybe it is that, maybe it is the other thing. But my guess is that the major thing is, is that the they're not really a capable at dealing with the fact that their best player is not pushing themselves. So you, you <laughs> kind of like try to make a, but Hey, you do what you got to do. I mean, you want to make sure that everyone is held to the same standard in that. I mean, it's the right thing to do, but maybe ripping a, you know, coat off of them doesn't make much sense. Yeah, but, uh, that was my main takeaway. Is this has got to hurt his recruiting down the line? Because if this is how you treat top-notch recruits, you're not going to have a lot of top-notch recruits wanting to go to your school. Yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, 
that's what you that's I mean you're gonna get what you get what you're gonna get if you do things like that I just feel like that was better served at hey you know like go to the locker room get a better jacket like but you can't wear these <laughs> we've we've established or is it really are. necessary to have do you not have that many jackets like was there some because Ed Oliver was wearing one some poor third stringer or something like that wasn't I really doubt that was the situation yeah it's just stupid rules for stupid rules sake yeah exactly like I mean I get it it's for the players but I mean if you're it's a dumb rule let your guys stay warm take care of your guys who aren't <laughs> playing as well you're all a team if you so much care about this team thing that you talk about so yeah yeah, yeah just a weird ugly with no good answer so let's move on to the playoff picture. We didn't see a lot change. Still got the same top four. But we got uh, some big games coming up this week. What do you see going on with the playoff picture? Okay, well, um, I feel like what we're going to see is much of these teams stay kind of steady. Uh, other than those linchpin games of Ohio State and uh Ohio, I mean Ohio State and uh, Michigan, and then also um, Alabama, Georgia. Like those games are going to be the things that kind of change anything up. Other than that, if we're really going to see exactly what we see right now, this is not going to change. It's really cool to kind of see like these teams now go into like like be so well coached. Um, to that you can keep succeeding. So you're going to see them kind of start to do things where every play looks like it should be drawn on a piece of paper because these are the best coaches. These are the best players. So, like, let's keep that rolling and watch it. Like, when you're watching, you may not see, like, the most exciting football games where a team is kind of overtaking another, but what we're going to see now are these coaches really going to town and showing off like the how well they've coached their players through this whole season which is a lot of football and then to carry that right into their championship runs. Well, I can't beat that analysis. Okay, so I guess I wanted to talk about one game. Um the one game is West Virginia Oklahoma State and the reason why isn't because number 10 lost to a team that was unranked. It was because Chupa Hubbard, a kid that I had to coach against, uh, had a pretty exciting game in this. Um, he had Alrighty. 134 yards uh, rushing, which I thought was really cool to see. Um, he was the leading Russia, rusher for Oklahoma State. And then uh, he also followed it up with a little bit of receiving, Five receptions, 24 yards, and a touchdown. So crazy. Um, number one, they knock out the number, uh, a top 10 team, and they go down. But a Canadian having a little bit of success in it. Uh, yeah, he's had uh, he's been pretty boomer bust so far this season. He's had a lot of, like, seven carries for 80 yards or something like that, but then he'll go quiet for a couple of games. Yeah. He's showing his flashes of talent, but he's clearly just still he's still a sophomore at this point. True exactly, sophomore. and it, it's cool to see because number one, he does have all that talent there, and it is starting to kind of show through a little bit 
more, but it would be nice to see a little more consistency. But hey, when you take out a team in the top ten, hey, young rumble, young man, rumble. So now we move on to a new segment on the For the Love podcast. We're calling it the Ten Headlines That We Love. Yes. We're gonna roll through ten big headlines you may have heard or may not have heard throughout the week, and give them a quick rundown, quick discussion in two minutes or less. Okay. So let's start with the your MLB Rookie of the Year is Shohei Otani in the AL and Ronald Acuna Jr. in the NL. Okay, um, I well deserved for both. Um, it's cool to see a pitcher that can hit making their way in there. That's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then also uh, a young, 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 young kid making it in there, too. Uh, yeah, I think he's, he's either the youngest or the second youngest so, player in the league. Just yeah. ahead of, I think the only guy who was younger was probably second in the bat, um, Juan Soto for the Washington Nationals. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, we're, we were talking about some young kids having some real success, and that's super cool to see. Do you have any issue with Shohei Otani uh, winning the award despite not playing a ton of games? Um, yes and no. I feel like when you do tougher things and have success, like pitching, and then also having success hitting, usually those things kind of don't come together. Most you know, kids kind of get put into one and stick with that and keep throwing, keep throwing. You have no time to hit. You have to keep perfecting that fastball or the, you know, your curveball. Like, this is kind of really cool to see, especially at the pro level. Yes. So, yeah, we haven't seen it since Babe Ruth. It was a blast. So I right. well deserved. Your MLB Cy Young winners are Jacob deGrom in the NL and Blake Snell in the AL. Okay, um, well-deserved by both. That's just as simple as that. Is it? Is it? Yes. Jacob deGrom won 10 games. Is that really well-deserved? I know he played on a garbage team. Okay, exactly. But you that can't, still has to matter. It can't be the only thing. It's like, you if you're carrying a whole bunch of garbage with you across the finish line and win, you know, you come in third... Like, you still got to give him some respect. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the only thing. Like, if it was a battle between, if, like, if your only options were 10 win pitchers, then yeah, you take the guy with a 1.7 ERA and the whip under one. But to me, that's just, it's completely disqualifying. It could have been Max Scherzer for the third year in a row. It could have been the guy in Philadelphia whose name is escaping me right now. (laughs) You don't need to give it to the guy who played on a terrible team. It was completely pointless for his team. I guess. I don't know. I feel like he deserves it. Keep it going. (laughs) (laughs) And the AL, just pure congratulations for Bake Snell. 21-5. I can't complain about that. His ERA was almost as low as DeGrom's. Extremely impressive performance from a pitcher I hadn't heard of before the year started. Yeah, exactly. Okay, um, next one. The Your Baseball MLB MVPs this year. Mookie Betts in the AL and Christian Yelich in the NL. Okay, any arguments with this one? Mookie Betts, the only real competition was his teammate J.D. Martinez. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you, can't, you can't 
uh, complain about that. Absolutely not. Keep going. Christian Yelich. I don't think so. I think I would have gone with Yelich as well. It's just you gotta wonder what Derek Jeter's doing in Miami to have given this guy up for practically nothing. I agree with you 100. percent um, I I don't know. Is Derek Jeter not good at he, something? Oh no. Yeah, he, <laughs> uh, he, well, he gave Stanton for nothing, but that didn't appear to be. We're not all as impressed with that as we were in the year started. But he also gave Yelich for. Very much, and we now think very, very highly of Yelich, and he's a deserving LL MVP. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, but I guess we'll see exactly uh, what his plan is, I guess, this next coming year. And do you think he has a timetable at all, kind of, to decide? No, I think he's the kind of guy who's so powerful and so beloved that he can think in long, he can think in open-ended time uh, times, and that's always that always makes things harder. Okay. If you're an engineer, you want hard deadlines, and that's what makes you successful. Okay, next, the World Chess Championship of 2018 is taking place between. The seven-year-running ta- seven world number one Magnus Carlsen and the American Fabiano Caruana. Uh, we're currently in the middle of this, tied at 4-4 with eight draws through eight games. <laughs> it's crazy. These people are like robots. <laughs> yeah. Although, speaking of people like robots, the I want to focus on the sixth of the eight games where there was a crazy way Carlson was white and it looked like he was going to lose. In fact, there was an opportunity after the 67th move for him to lose. A computer found it, but even the grandmasters they had trying to explain it had difficulty explaining how he could have won. Only the computer, only the robot knew how to beat Magnus Carlson. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's the robots, you know? The, <laughs> I mean... There was, I read there was this really cool um, excerpt in a book about this. Uh, there was a championship level thing that went against a computer. And um, they, they kept going back and forth. It was the best guy ever. And literally the guy was playing this computer and the, he won the first few games. And then the computer uh, made a random move that didn't make any sense. Like no sense whatsoever. And literally, it, like, shook the person to their core to make this move because they're like, the computer has to know, right? And literally, it ended up being that the computer was programmed to just make a move if, uh, like, if it ran into, like, a glitch or something. So this glitch led to him forfeiting the middle game that he would have won, but he thought the computer had some (laughs) secret winning capability, and then literally rocked him to the core, so then he kind of played super defensively, ended up losing the rest of the games to then just concede to this computer that literally was just making a mistake. <laughs> so it does a, make for an interesting, interesting watching experience. There's no other sport where, as a fan, as a viewer, you can say, hey, that best-in-the-world guy literally should have done something else because we have computers that can react. And fast and tell us, hey, this guy should have done something else and we haven't seen it. I think I speak for anyone when I say I hope it goes to tiebreak so we can see the Blitz tiebreaker. Which is an absolutely exciting, super fast-paced game of chess. Next. Vivian Stringer, head coach of the Rutgers women's basketball team, gets her 1,000th win, becoming the fifth woman 
to achieve that milestone and the first African-American woman to achieve that milestone. Congratulations. That's a huge feat. And, you know, um, the Rutgers program has been strong for a long time, too. So good for her. Yeah, when you look at the list of people she's joining, Pat Summit, Gino Ariema, Tara Vanderveer, and Sylvia Hatchell, that is the cream of the crop, and she's now undisputed right at the top of her sport. 100%, and well-deserved. Okay, let's slide over to the next one. The Great Cup preview, Canadian football. We're coming into our championships here in the Calgary CFL. Calgary Stampeders against the Ottawa Red Blacks. Okay, um, exciting there. Uh, both teams, uh, Calgary probably the favorite, and they've been the favorite forever and still come yes, up they're short the favorites, but they're the chokers. <laughs> 100%. Um, cool things about this one here. We're going to go in. I coach two kids that are on these teams, um, both rookies this year, one on the Red Blacks, one on the... One on the Calgary Stampeders, um, Justin Lawrence on the Stampeders, and Mark Corte on the Red Blacks. So uh, good luck to both of them. I'm cheering for neither of you at the same time. I wish you could both win it. (laughs) I am absolutely cheering for the Calgary Stampeders. We don't talk a lot of CFL on this podcast, and a big reason for that is I have absolutely no ability to be objective when it comes to the CFL. <laughs> I am a hardcore Stampeders fan, and I was screaming and ripping my hair out on the weekend, and I got my tickets. I can't wait for Sunday. There you go. Uh, you're you're going to be there with about half the fans in your favor for <laughs> sure, probably over that. but Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right, Astana. Uh, will ride the Tour of Rwanda in 2019, becoming the first World Tour team to participate in the Tour of Rwanda. So what does that mean for the Rwanda Tour? So there's a abstract uh, benefit. Obviously, when you get a big-time team like that, you get a lot more eyeballs coming towards you. But there's also a very tangible benefit in this now lifts the... Tour of Rwanda up a step in the UCI rankings. So there is now more points available for the winners of these races, which will in turn bring more big teams. And it's just a kind of a endless cycle upwards. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so this is a huge benefit for a, a sport that has made, has made for quite a while long strides in developing African athletes, but yeah. they always would find the athletes and then bring them to Switzerland to train them. Okay, okay. And that's how you found what you got was a lot of the richer athletes and what ended up being a lot of the white athletes made their way. You have stars like Chris Froome, Robbie Hunter were big African stars, but they it happened to be the white athletes. And this is a development we've seen in the last five years or so where they're really going into countries and developing from the ground up, and we're starting to see guys like um, Merhawi Kudos, I believe, is the best Rwandan cyclist in the world right now, and of course Daniel Teklahimanot is an extremely accomplished Eritrean rider. Yeah. And this just uh, moves moves that... Uh, Needle forward. Goal and ever forward, yeah. That's absolutely. awesome. That's really cool to see. Okay, next... The inaugural UEFA Nations League final has been set. And Portugal, England, Switzerland, and the Netherlands are your finalists. Okay, okay. Who you got? 
I'm going to go with the Dutch. They weren't even in the last World Cup, so they're going to be real hungry. Okay, and I'm going to go with Portugal. All right, picking the hometown team. That's uh, probably an intelligent choice when you think of it. I'm, you know, I, I like to think that I make some rational choices sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's decide over the next one. All right, uh, Michaela Schifrin and Marshall Hersher win the first slalom World Cup race of the year. Wow. So we got, um, yeah, so this was the World Cup Levi slalom. Okay, where is this located? In, um, is it in Slovakia? I should have had this. On. <laughs> yes, stumping them <laughs> on the two-minute yes. segment. Love it. It's here somewhere. Finland. There we go. I'm pretty sure that, yes. <laughs> so, uh, her, obviously, both huge names in the sport, certainly favorites. The best part of this is the winner of this event wins a reindeer. <laughs> Love it. So, Marshall Hersher won Mr. Snow, which will provide nice company for the two other reindeers he's won at this event in previous years, Ferdinand and Leo. There we go. <laughs> this is the best thing and, I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and Michaela Schifrin has also won her third reindeer this year. Oh, this and is so she exciting. won Gru. <laughs> oh, named after the uh, popular Despicable Me. Popular character for, from Despicable Me, absolutely. To go with her two other reindeers who i can't seem to get the name right now my internet is down but i swear there are two other reindeer that she's already won with this <laughs> that's so <laughs> awesome okay so uh next all right our final headline in the esports sports league rainbow six the pro league has been won by g2 esports okay uh big win there uh they got themselves seventy five thousand dollars. uh don't spend it all in one place uh, it's a crazy, it's, it's such a tactical game and I struggle so much playing it. Uh, it's exciting to see, uh, if any of you got a chance to watch it, it's pretty cool. If not, check out some highlights of it. It's crazy to see some of these guys are wild. So the esports, the ESL, does that, uh, feature many, many different games? Is that how they... Yeah, the ESL deals with a whole bunch of different games. It's kind of its own league that's kind of made a a, a very kind of standard because it deals with like I think it's League of Legends and that and I want to say Dota as well, but they deal with a whole bunch of different sports. But I mean, it, it's it's kind of a crazy thing because it's really tough to kind of slam all these together to figure out what is actually a e-sports level thing like i put that in air quotes like <laughs> it's it's so tough yeah to we've talked out. about this before anytime you got new it's so new anything that that's that's as new as esports is there's going to be a lot of questions surrounding it exactly especially with media attention and everything yeah exactly so it's tough to figure out kind of what is what but the esl is kind of a a, a gold standard along with um I'd say gold center, but there's like there's like three leagues that you at least know are a real thing. Whether they like the ESL is probably the gold standard, I'd say. So if All you right. if you go to ESL and you watch something, you're watching pro level stuff. 
And that has been 10 Headlines We Love. Okay, awesome. Now let's slide over to the NBA. Yes, I don't think there's any other place to start in the NBA these days than with the Los Angeles Lakers and Mr. LeBron James. Yes, um, everyone I find likes to talk about him doing, like, when they're doing weird things and he's not playing as much or he's doing this or he's passing the ball more. It's all for this grandmaster plan of winning in the next year, like getting these kids ready. He's letting them, <laughs> uh, it's just so weird. Like everyone's so tactical about what he's doing. He ain't said a word. <laughs> yeah. That's the weird thing. LeBron James is so much smarter than everybody. He's so much smarter than us. So we're trying to guess what he's doing, but we can't do it because we're not as smart as LeBron James no, is. No, not at all. And he, yes. I mean, They started out slow. They're ripping it apart now. Uh, any chance they make it to the finals this year? Uh, I'm going to say, yes, of course there's a chance. It's LeBron James. But uh, <laughs> are they there this year? I'm going to say... Right now, well, the way I look at it, probably 50-50. Depends on what LeBron James 50, wants to 50, do. 50-50, that's, that's pretty good chances I think you're giving. Yeah, them. I feel like it depends on what LeBron James wants to do. If LeBron James wants to make a run with these kids, he'll go all out and he'll put in all those minutes. But if he doesn't, he's going to keep kind of taking his time and resting his legs and doing everything, and they'll squeeze in the playoffs and they'll win the first two games and then they'll lose in the, you know what I mean? Like, they'll do, he'll do yeah. that. Like, he won't go every single minute all out, nonstop. It's going to be all about development and letting these kids shoot and gain some confidence before Kawhi Leonard shows up there. <laughs> yes. Anthony Davis, I believe, is the big name everybody's expecting now. Uh, well, why not both? <laughs> it very well could be with the way the NBA is. Exactly. Okay. Uh... So, speaking of super teams, Warriors, Rockets, they played... Earlier this week, yes. and the Rockets trashed the Warriors. And we've got all this Warriors drama to talk about. Oh, that fall of a dynasty. Is that what we're witnessing? <laughs> I think it might be a little too early to be talking about a fall of a dynasty <laughs> 100%. At this point. I mean, like, if this was, like, end of season, and they're, like, falling apart and bickering, even though they're, like, in a playoff kind of, like, run, like, that would be different than... A, a lover spat in the middle of, like, at the start of a season. <laughs> yeah, I think the two big takeaways from this, one is obviously this, there wouldn't be this much tension, there wouldn't be this much drama around it if it wasn't a real possibility to even a likelihood that Kevin Durant's going to leave in the offseason. So that, that obviously that. affects will not only affect us now, but will affect how, how we kind of view the league going forward. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my guess is that like they're going to have spats, but my, the reality of it is is you can't trust Kevin Durant. Odds are he won't be there. Yeah, remember this is the guy that had a bunch of fake burner accounts boosting himself yeah, to like, other fans, so <laughs> he's a weird I don't really dude. know what to think about him in any kind of feud. He's a weird, fragile dude, and I just don't imagine him being there. Especially even after this lover's quarrel. All that being said, when it comes time to the playoffs, I can't imagine this team will actually be in any real trouble, even against LeBron James. No. Uh, it's just, it can't be the LeBron James only show. 
And when you get down to it, it kind of will be when you get to the playoffs. Do you think this was a, a sign that the Rockets have turned things around now? They benched Carmelo Anthony. James Harden is heating up. Uh, maybe. Any early season worries are in the rearview mirror? I don't know. I feel like, yeah, they're going to win games. Of course, they're way too talented. But when you get to the playoffs, it's a different game. Yeah, I think in the playoffs, the Rockets... I could see the Rockets definitely falling to the Lakers. Yeah. I could see LeBron James just making a fool of James Harden at some point. Yeah, exactly. And it's 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 so easy to see. And I feel like it, it, like the fact that you even have to pretend to compare the two is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone with any sense actually compares the two, but... Um, James Harden is a talented player. Oh, extremely talented. That nobody really likes. Because he, <laughs> really he doesn't he, play defense at yeah. all. It's an article from like three years ago at this point. But if you haven't read it, go back and read the Pablo Torre article on James Harden. Where he talks, he compares just how clinical he is on the court with his three-point shots. And driving to the lane, getting his free throws. And just like... He scientifically figured out the most efficient way. And then he compares that with basically how he's done the same thing off the off the court. Really? Where he's just kind of scientifically gone about the best way of getting the most attention possible. You know, he dated a Kardashian. That's a great way to get attention. He's got the beard. He just takes this very formulaic way to both get attention and and win on the court. It's, it's a very interesting read. It's older at this point. It might be two years, three years old at this point. But I still recommend reading the article if you can find it. Okay. Uh, I imagine it'd be pretty cool because, I mean, he does seem like a dude who would take the time to think about almost everything he does. Like, he is that meticulous of a shooter. And I think that's part of the reason why nobody loves him. Like, nobody loves James Harden. Because you're actually falling in love with a robot. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, it's just, it's, it's hard to fall in love with a robot. I can't say it any better than that. Let's uh, finish off by moving over to the Eastern Conference. Yep. Specifically, I want to talk about uh, Dwayne Casey, coaching for the Detroit Pistons. Yes. First game back in Toronto, and he wins the game on a buzzer beater. Man, was he excited. uh, That was one heck of a celebration at the end of this game. I think so, too, and it's fair. It's so fair because they literally kicked him, ran him out of town because of him, uh, who is it, benching Lowry? Uh, yeah, yeah, Lowry actually got benched and DeRozan was still yeah. playing, but... Yeah, exactly, so yeah. They, ben- they get really mad at him, they get rid of him, and then now you have, you run him out of town, and then you even get rid of DeMar DeRozan, so I'm like, what, what, what? Like, <laughs> like you gotta think he was one of the people champion and be like, what if you're gonna sit, Lowry, you don't even care about winning, like... Lowry was struggling, like, it, it was, it's just so weird, like, a coach can't be beholden to players being mad because they're gonna lose a game to LeBron James, like, <laughs> yeah, I, that being said, Toronto is playing out of their skulls this year, yeah, exactly, because you have Kawhi Leonard and Daryl Green, like, it's a big <laughs> change you have going there, yeah, well, how do you see the Eastern Conference shaping out, we talked a bit about the West, you got uh, the Raptors representing? I mean, as we would expect them to be the leading team in it. 
And now that you have, like, what, the second best basketball player? We would expect. Certainly the best basketball player in the East. Right? So, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you got... I think the East is a lot stronger. Toronto, we expected Toronto to be good. I don't know if we thought they were going to be this good. Yeah. Milwaukee, say, I could say the exact same phrase for Milwaukee. Boston struggled. A lot of people are surprised by that. Uh, and Philadelphia just got Jimmy Butler. We talked about the end of that. They look pretty good with him in town. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, Philadelphia, I feel like they were kind of expecting um, something more this season. And I feel like Butler is a band-aid to that. So I don't know. I just don't see them being the team they were last year, even with the scoop of Butler. My issue with the 76ers is basically Embiid is a ridiculously good player. I think he might be already like a top five player in this league. But the problem is the way the NBA is played today, big men don't really run the show. Yeah. So how high is their ceiling? I'm not sure it's... Appearance in the NBA Finals high, at least not this year. No, I exactly, and it, it sucks because it was a team that was looked like it they were one piece away, and then LeBron James went somewhere else. So <laughs> that would have been so great if he went there. Like I know he had his, and clearly he had his reasons that before. Well, of course, his family. Anybody and made his pitch, yeah. But it would have been so much fun to watch LeBron James with Embiid and Simmons. Yeah, exactly. That would have been wild. I think that is going to do it for us today. I think so, too. Um, Hey, it was a wild run. (laughs) We had a lot of technical (laughs) issues today. Uh, We'll clean it up as best we can and get it to you in the best sounding way possible. That's all Thompson's work, heads up. So... Give him a shout out. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be up late tonight. That's for, we already started late because we had to watch the end of that KC St. Louis game. Two hundred percent, and wow, did we ever get a show? Um, okay, so uh, hey, thanks for listening once again. We do it for the love of it, and uh, we get a little cool uh, show ending runner now. So make sure you check that out for the eight seconds that it is. <laughs> Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Goodbye. Take it easy. This is brought to you by Head to Head Productions. We want to thank you guys for listening. You're the only reason we exist. So keep on liking and sharing.